Please, God. Hey there everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 112. And today we're going to continue on with the Evil Dead franchise with doing Evil Dead Part 2, Dead by Dawn. Now, uh, for this one I want you to discount everything you have heard about number 1. Now... The funny thing about this is that number one, um, you know, obviously being the original, number two starts off pretty much where number one led off, except for the fact that we've now got a completely different cast of characters. I mean, we've got Ash, but we've only got now Ash and his girlfriend in the car going to the cabin. All the other friends, they've all disappeared. That's not happening at all. They're no longer in the in the movie. So. I looked online to find out what the hell is going on because I really, I didn't fully understand what was going on. Now, first of all, for this movie, this was the second installment, obviously, in the Evil Dead film franchise. It is considered both a remake and a sequel to the Evil Dead. So I'm trying to work out what do you mean by a remake? Why would they be remaking it? Well, we'll find out in fun facts exactly why this all happened. But it was very confusing because anyone that's seen the original movie would just say, okay, well, you know, Ash was attacked by the Deadites or the entity coming out of the out of the cabin and it attacked him and we were left on a cliffhanger. So now we're starting off with the beginning of that. Well, that's fine. But the first 15 minutes of this movie is like a recap of everything that happened in number one except all the other friends are all dis- have all disappeared. Um, it's only Ash and his girlfriend. Ash is the one that gets the, gets the cabin. Ash is the one that finds the, the um, tape recorder and starts listening to the translations of on the tape recorder. So it really, suddenly you sit there and go, well, hang on a minute, why is all this happening? Well, it was very, very confusing, but as I said, we will get on to that one when we get to spoilers and trivia and fun facts and everything at the very last part of this movie. Now, the release date was March the 13th, 1987. The budget was $3.5 million, but it only took $5.9 million and the, at the box office, and I thought, wow, that would—I thought it would have been a lot bigger than that, but apparently not. It didn't do a huge amount of money. I mean, remember, three point five million—you got to take half of that out for obviously for cinemas. So it really didn't do a whole lot as far as you know that <laughs> the box office goes to try and get that money back. So I was like, okay, so if you've got a box office, five point nine million, take you know take half that. And that's how much the movie made. So, unfortunately, it didn't make uh, that amount of money back. But it got pretty close. It was $2.95 million. So, you know, the budget was three point five. It almost made some of the money back. But, uh, you know, we'll go with it. So, most of the film was shot on set. <laughs> this is really interesting. I thought it was actually going to be set in the woods somewhere. And, and maybe there was part of it that was. But most of this film was shot on a set built inside a gymnasium of J.R. Fazian's Junior High School in West. Wadesboro, North Carolina. So it's like, wow, this must have been a pretty big friggin' gymnasium for them to actually film this whole movie inside of the gymnasium. But I, yeah, I, I really thought to myself that this was um, filmed in the woods somewhere, but it really goes to show you that there are things that they can do on a film set that just happens to be in a gymnasium of a junior high school. <laughs> so look, you know, as I said, this movie was confusing. I mean, I, I didn't really... You know, I hadn't seen this for the longest time. I must admit, you know, I had seen this 
maybe you know a couple of years after it was released uh, at the cinema and then yeah obviously it was on vhs and i saw it and i'm like okay well you know i didn't really go back and look at number one and then follow number two i didn't ever do that when i was you know going to see all these movies so when i saw it the other day i'm like hang on a minute so we've got evil dead part one and ash is being attacked but now suddenly we're getting a recap of the first movie except that now we've got an alternate version starting with ash and his girlfriend linda driving to the abandoned cabin in the woods but that's it like nobody else is there so yeah it was a little confusing but i, I got through it in the end and look i'm going to give my recommendations now so on a scale of zero to five buckets of blood zero being how do i get the last hour and a half of my life back to five it was a perfect movie and i'd watch it all over again i'm not giving it a five no way in the world <laughs> i will give it a may i'll give it a three i'll give it a, i'll give it a solid three how's that because i really don't want to oversell this movie because there is a lot of stop motion there's a lot of claymation once again there's a lot of green screen that doesn't really add up um so you know i mean as i said you know you can't really sit there and go you know for the time it was 80, 1987 so you know there was cgi was still in its infancy it's not like it is today where you actually believe what you're seeing on screen this is all very much you know still amateur filmmaking so it's 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 one of those things where you got to take it and go okay for the next hour and a half it's fun and enjoying and enjoyment and just a little bit of goofiness but don't take it too seriously because a lot of the claymation a lot of the animation a lot of the special effects the makeup that's all you know going into the b grade sort of you know role unfortunately but look before i get started on this podcast now i have got facebook at horror crypt podcast i've also got facebook uh the horror crypt cafe that you can join it's a great social group there and if you want to contact me directly for any movies that you think i might like to watch or give me suggestions of movies that i can go and look for myself horror crypt 2022 at gmail.com and you can also send me fan uh fan mail as well if you want to write to me and say how awesome this podcast is because i'm absolutely overwhelmed with the amount of people that are coming to listen to my podcast as of this recording i've got two and a half thousand downloads and i'm just sitting here in the studio literally reading off things and looking through you know uh things as regards to the movie i'm absolutely amazed that people keep coming back because i I don't know. When I first started this, I thought maybe I'd get 50 people look, you know, listening to it, maybe, you know, and then I've got 100, then maybe 150. But, you know, I'm absolutely amazed that I've got 2,500, and it is still growing. So that is absolutely amazing. Thank you very much for coming to visit me again at the Horror Crypt Podcast. Also, if you want T-shirts, if you want hats, if you want beanies, you know, on your head when it's cold, give me a message, horrorcrypt2022. And I promise you that I will give you a great deal. I will not milk your money because I know that money is tight all over the world. So I certainly don't want to be taking your hard-earned money from you. But if you'd like to support the show by showing your support with wearing a t-shirt or a baseball cap or a beanie, um, I would be very grateful and I would send it out to you immediately. Look, before we get started on this podcast, we need to listen to the trailer. So sit back and relax because here is the trailer of Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. 
something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. the fact that when we start this movie we have to get a bit of an overview as far as what happened in the previous movie and we as i said we do get to see there's ash and his girlfriend now just in the car driving up to the cabin and it's very very relaxed sort of atmosphere but once again ash is driving along and then you know his his girlfriend linda says oh so what's this cabin like exactly what they said in the first one and he goes oh it's a little run down but it's you know it's all the way up in the woods and you know and she said oh well you know is does it is it nice oh yeah it's nice it's kind of nice it's good you know so it's the same conversation going backwards and forwards. Now we start to see the, the movie lead in and we need to find out exactly what's going on with the Book of the Dead. Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones, Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. was written long ago when the seas ran red with blood. It was this blood that was used to ink the book. In the year 1300 AD, the book disappeared. So now of that little exposition of what's going on, we now transition into the movie. And we're now within the cabins. Oh, sorry, within the cabin, I should say. And there's Ash, and he's playing the piano while Linda dances in her underwear. Very, very nice, sort of like dance, and it's very romantic. And then, you know, he's re he's recently given her a silver chain with a little magnifying glass on it, as we saw in the original. So everything, all the continuity is happening. Now, as I said, you understand why all this was happening when we get to the fun facts, the goofs, and the trivia. So just hold with it me, because it's coming. I will let you know what's going on. So Ash goes into another room to get a bottle of champagne, and it's very, it's a very, very corny conversation backwards and forwards. And he's he's very over the top when it comes to talking to Linda about you know going to get the champagne. I feel funny about being here. What if the people who own this place come home? They're not going to come back. Even if they do, we'll tell them that the car broke down or something like that. <laughs> With your car, they'd believe it. Hey, what do you say we have some champagne, eh, baby? You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. <laughs> At least last time I checked. <laughs> okay. Bom, bom. Bom, bom. Hey, there's a there's a tape recorder here. 
See what's on it. This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Kandar. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gatley. It was in the rear chamber of the castle that we stumbled upon something remarkable. Naturum de Monto, the Book of the Dead. My wife and I brought the book to this cabin where I could study it undisturbed. It was here that I began the translations. The book speaks of a spiritual presence, a thing of evil that roams the forests and the dark bowers of man's domain. It is through the recitation of the book's passages that this dark spirit is given license to possess the living. Recorded here are the phonetic pronunciations of those passages. Kanda, Estrata, Amantos. Now, I don't know about you. Now, yeah, there is Professor Noby, and he is supposed to be some sort of leading archaeologist and, and in the know about what's going on with the Book of the Dead. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and I understand that the new movie that came out in 2013 did the exact same thing. You got some dickhead that's trying to translate the book and decides that he's going to say and speak the passages out loud. Now, I guess maybe all of us would do the same thing. But, you know, when you've got this professor who supposedly knows what is going on with the Book of the Dead, he starts to phonetically translate it and speak it out loud, thereby releasing the Deadites and the Book of the Dead just goes haywire. So my idea is like, okay, if you're a professor of anything, fucking pay attention. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> but once again, you know, if, if this movie, were, if he didn't say it out loud, the movie probably wouldn't be made. So, you know. We have to say it out loud, but once again, it's giving you an overview of what happened in the previous movie to what's hap what is happening now. So now we un we understand that this whole thing is being resurrected. This guy's resurrected this demon, and something's going on within the cabin. We also hear that Ash being he's in he's in the uh, living room. He hears a breaking of a of a bedroom window we see because there's an evil presence that goes through and grabs a hold of linda so he runs into the room and he finds that linda's completely disappeared so obviously ash goes outside to find out what's going on but he's attacked by a now demonic linda and of course panicking he, he basically runs back and manages to get a um a shovel where the shovel came from i don't really know because he didn't take a shovel out with him but anyway he goes to grab the hold uh, grab a hold of the shovel as linda jumps at him and it's at this stage that he swings the uh the shovel at her and decapitates her so i was like oh yes awesome wonderful so he's now murdered his girlfriend but you know she was possessed so it's okay but what but this as i said when she becomes demonic you know her makeup is very much hmm very questionable and her mannerisms and it's just it's a very it's very very campy this is the whole thing it was supposed to be a horror comedy this is now more of a comedy horror it's you know little splats of horror in between but it's really quite hilarious i mean you could seriously sit there and have a great time make it a drinking game you know it's 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 so much fun to, to watch so after after he's murdered her he decides that he's going to bury his now headless girlfriend in the ground but he's going to keep the silver necklace and pendant because you know what you know you've killed your girlfriend you, you might as well do that 
it's at this point now that we see that the the movie is now switching over to what's happened after Ash left the the cabin in the first movie. Now, as we see that the entity is coming from the forest, it's coming through the back of the cabin, it goes towards the front of the cabin. Now, if we remember, there was two holes where there was gunshots that had been blasted through (laughs) to try and get rid of the deadites. Well, they're no longer there. The door's completely healed itself. It's fantastic. Of course, at this stage that Ash is hit by this entity, and he's basically swept through the forest now it's almost like he's on a motorcycle he's literally sitting on the front of a motorcycle looking towards us as this thing is speeding through i mean he's being hit by trees and branches and stuff like that and he's spinning around and of course this is when it's he suddenly stops and he flies through the woods and he hits a a huge puddle of water and uh, it's at this stage we see that he is actually being possessed by the demon. So we all know that there is going to be an evil Ash somewhere down the track. So we also watching him um, laying in this puddle of water, and then he ends up by obviously passing out because he's you know, obviously he's been fighting the demons all night. So he's exhausted. So he just completely passes out. But when he comes out of the water and he is this evil Ash, fortunately the sun comes up and it drives away the Kenderian demon. And the mist in the forest retreats into various trees. And of course, the cloudiness in in Ash's eyes leaves and Ash is now perfectly healthy. So we obviously understand that he's going to be able to change backwards and forwards. But he only really does that once or twice more in this movie. And he doesn't really do it in part three. Not that I... I don't think he doesn't do it, but I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But I've got to see that movie to finish off this um, franchise. So I'll definitely keep you posted on whether he actually does... <laughs> He does turn into evil Ash again. So he, he's a little depressed because obviously we see that, you know, he has he's killed his girlfriend and he's he decides, well, okay, I've got to go back to the cabin. So we see he goes back into the cabin and hears a voice saying, join us. Now, it's interesting because the, 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 the face that actually is you know, in the cabin is utilizes both the left and the right windows and the front door as in the face and this is where ash sort of like you know he shakes his head as if to say okay well i'm I'm obviously seeing things so i'm really i'm not really all that interested i'm just going to get in my car and i'm going to make a dash for freedom across the bridge but unfortunately as we see in the first one the bridge is destroyed and the gap that spans is so much you know so big that there's no way in hell you're going to be able to get over that so you're going to have to be hiking for quite a some time quite some time to actually get away from this entity so he's like okay i can't get away from here and now this is where it's interesting that now the sun's arrive you know the sun's come up he's gotten into the car he's driven now suddenly the sun goes down rapidly and again he's being pursued by this this evil entity and of course as he's driving you know away from this evil entity in the car branches and you know stuff is all whipping through his face because he's got his head half out the window trying to see where he's going and of course as he's driving along a tree stump stops the car and abruptly sends him flying through the windshield and of course he's face he actually hits his face against a tree which you think to yourself okay well if that's the case then you've got pretty much some pretty significant significant damage but uh that's ah, all fine he decides to run the rest of the way through the woods to the cabin and of course he is continuously pursued by this evil entity we can't see it but we know it's behind him because we're hearing this growling and he's running like a mad person and of course when he gets to the cabin now th- this cabin i thought was only a small cabin but man it is huge because as he gets through um he actually goes through between nine and ten rooms 
and he's being chased by this thing and you know he goes through doors and then the thing breaks the door down and he goes through the side entrance he goes through it's just it's just like a huge little maze that he's running through and it's at this stage that as he's going through the the doors the entity is behind him but at one stage the entity comes out and oh shit where the fuck is he he's gone we don't know where he is and suddenly we see that the entity then moves itself away and out into the woods and disappears but we see that uh, Ash, using all of his cunning, evades it by hiding under the trap door in the living room. Now, as far as I'm concerned, how the fuck did he get into that and close that before this entity found him? Because this thing was right on his heels. I mean, this thing was right on his heels. There was no way in hell he was going to try and get... I mean, he would literally have to have the door open, literally jump in and close it as he's jumping in to make sure he didn't. He wasn't seen by this entity. So it's, it's very confusing at this stage. And I'm like, okay, yep, all right, well, we'll go with the fact that he's in the floor now. But that was, yeah, I don't, you've really got to suspend belief in this movie, unfortunately. So now we see it travel, it transitions over to the airport. And we see that uh, this woman by the name of Annie Noby, which is, happens to be uh, Professor Noby's daughter, has arrives by plane with a 3,000-year-old page of the Book of the Dead. And he's picked up by her boyfriend, um, Ed Gentry. And they start to drive to the cabin to join her father. And it's very interesting that, you know, you're going to be going up to the cabin later in the evening. And it's the conversation backwards and forwards about, well, have you heard from my father? And this guy hasn't. Thank you. Annie! Hi! How the expedition go? Great. I've found the pages of the Book of the Dead. Yeah, I got your telegram. Thanks. So, what condition are they in? Take a look. They have an age of day in 3,000 years. Maybe longer. When do we begin the translations? Tonight. Is everything all set with my father? Well, it should be, but I haven't spoken with him in a week. There's no phone in the cabin. I'll take my car. It'll take us about an hour to get there. Annie, you hinted in your telegram that your father was onto something with the first part of his translations. What has he found in the Book of the Dead? Probably nothing. But just possibly the doorway to another world. So now there's a lot of intercutting between the, the movie and we're now following Ash and he's sitting in a, uh, in a, in a rocking chair and he's had a bit of a nap because he's exhausted with what's going on and he wakes to find that the there's a the piano that he was playing for Linda is suddenly playing by itself and the music reminds him of Linda and because he takes the silver necklace from his pocket and some of the boards barricading the windows fall and he looks outside to see Linda's grave marker fall over and her headless and already badly decomposing corpse reanimate and start to dance and regain its much fresher head which can conveniently keep facing in one direction while the body spins around many times. It's like, uh, okay, so he's literally watching this going, yeah, this is pretty normal. I can sit here and watch my dead girlfriend um, body spinning around while I'm actually watching this. And so he's watching this. And it's really interesting because her moves include very seductively straddling a tree limb. And then she jumps into the darkness and disappears. And it's like, oh. That's cool. Then he, then she suddenly reappears just out the wind, outside the window, and grabs Ash, telling him to dance with her. After, and of course, yeah, she grabs him and slams his his head a couple of times into the window barricades. And of course, he breaks free, and Linda's head falls off again. Ash then wakes up to discover that he's back in the chair, 
in in the rocking chair, and it was just a dream. He, he wakes up screaming. So there's a lot of screaming in this movie. It's, it's it's a lot of screaming, a lot of blood, but there's not huge amounts of dialogue. That's the whole thing that's it's interesting with this movie. Once again, I don't know whether Sam Raimi did this for you know for purposes unknown. I don't know, but. I'm not sure why he did so much screaming in this movie, but yeah, we'll go with it. So, of course, he is, you know, wakes up for this dream and the window barricades seem very much intact. So he's just sitting there and suddenly Linda's smiling head drops into Ash's lap and says, hello, lover. So I was like, oh my God, and bites hard into his right hand between his thumb and forefinger. So he can't remove the head as he rushes to the workshed and clamp, clamps it into the vice. And he grabs, he goes to try and get the the uh, chainsaw but of course the chainsaw happens to be um you know not there and it's because of this stage that the the body of linda comes running into the room into the tool shed i should say sporting the the um chainsaw and goes to attack ash it's at this stage that as the chainsaw comes down he manages to deflect it with a crowbar a crowbar i should say and the corpse clumsily saws itself <laughs> And because obviously it's got no head, so the the saw goes straight into its head, and well, where the head was, and there's blood going everywhere. So it's at this stage that we get a chance that Ash grabs the the chainsaw and go and pulls the cord and looks over towards the head where Linda's head is, obviously, and the the head is now turned back into Linda, and she's saying, you know, please don't hurt me, you know, um, you know, you thought we were supposed to be together forever, please don't do this, and he really starts to succumb to the the drama that's going on, you know, this this demon is manipulating him to such a degree that he just wants to end the whole thing. And it's, of course, this stage that the uh, the, the head then turns back into the deadites and starts to verbally attack him. And, of course, unfortunately for her, Ash descend, decides to chainsaw through its head and destroys it, and that's all there is to it for the head. Now, I must admit that the next part of the movie was absolutely my most favourite part of the movie. It's because... Ash's hand gets possessed. Now, how does it happen? Well, before we get to that point, we see that um, Ash returns to the cabin and he manages to trade the shotgun, uh, sorry, the, the chainsaw for a double-barrel shotgun. So now he's got two weapons. And uh, as he goes into the, the cabin, we can see that there's the rocking chair is moving by itself and moaning. And, of course, it stops when he brings his right hand near it. Of course, he drops the shotgun and he tries to console himself by telling his reflection in the mirror that everything's fine because he goes into the mirror goes there's a mirror on the wall he goes over there and he says okay okay i gotta calm down everything's fine there's no dramas and then suddenly his reflection comes out and says you know don't count on it everything's not fine and starts to choke him it's this stage that the the apparition disappears and we see that ash is actually choking himself and of course it's just an ordinary mirror again of course, he looks down at his hand because there's something going on with that. And dark veins start radiating outwards from the bite wounds on the edge of Ash's right hand as it mutates and grows very long fingernails. And it begins to move around under its own control and making strange laughing noises and then starts attacking Ash by grabbing his face. <laughs> and I love this part because it, actually gets, it gets even more entertaining as we go along. Because he holds it down and screams to the the uh, entities to give back his hand, so this this whole thing is going to get a lot more crazier as we go along. But now we transition over back to where Annie and Ed is driving back to the uh, the cabin, and it's blocked blocked by a workman, Jake, and he's putting up a barricade in front of the destroyed bridge. Because Bobby Joe, this this girl that he's uh, with, obviously are in a relationship with, she is just leaning on the car and saying that there's no there's no other road that leads there, and they would have to just basically walk the trail back to the um, back to the cabin. And this is when uh, Annie says, "Well, how much would you pay to you know help us out as into you know 
follow, you know, show us where to go. And they go from forty to a hundred dollars, and and he says, okay, sure, I'll definitely give you a you know, hundred bucks if you could just also carry the luggage. And it's at this stage that Jake sort of like looks in the back seat, and there's just her handbag. But we already know that when she was picked up by the at the airport, there was this huge, massive trunk that was put in the trunk of the car. So this is Jake's going to have to lug this whole thing up, and we do see them walking up to the um up to the the cabin, and. All Annie's got is the little pages of the Book of the Dead. Everyone else has got flashlights. And there is poor old Jake with this huge trunk on his back as he's walking up to this thing going, yeah, okay, great great idea, smart ass. I shouldn't have actually said anything. So now we go back to the cabin and Ash is still fighting with his evil hand. And, of course, the hand smashes crockery over its head, over his head, I should say, and bangs his head into the sink and hits him and, you know, decides to flip him onto the floor. And after a few more plates and bottles, it spots a cleaver and starts to drag Ash's unconscious body towards it because Ash has just been fucked up by his hand. I mean, he has been beaten the shit out of by his hand. But just as he gets towards the meat cleaver, Ash wakes up and stabs his own hand, pinning it to the floor, and decides to hack it off with the very chainsaw he used only moments ago to carve his lover into pieces. And of course, he starts by pulling the rope with his teeth. And this is when he says, you know, who's laughing now? And he saws his hand, you know, off, obviously. And then he binds the stump of his hand with a cloth and duct tape. So now we see that Ash is now trapped as in his uh, amputated hand underneath a tin and a few books, which includes, and I think this was really, really fun. So he's got his hand, which is now pinned to the floor. He puts a bucket you know, on the top of it and then he's got to make sure that it doesn't move anywhere. So he puts a whole lot of books on top of it as a weight and the very top of the book, of the book on the very top of the, the pile says, A Farewell to Arms. <laughs> but I really love that. It's, it's very, very, it's a re really great little nugget there. So we also see, unfortunately, that it escapes and it hides in, in the walls. And this is when Ash fires several shots into the wall as the, uh, the hand taunts him. And <laughs> literally... At one stage, the hand is running along and it gets caught into a mousetrap. And this is where Ash starts to laugh at the hand. The hand then turns over and flips him off. And then, of course, what does Ash do? You little bastard. And then fires the shotgun into the wall and you just see this small spray of blood that comes out from the wall. Then all of a sudden, like a fire hose, it sprays Ash and covers the entire room in blood. So I was like, okay, out of that hand, the entire blood, you've got to sit there and go, yeah, all right. That this works. I, I'm in for this. This is fine. So <laughs> it just gets better from here. So Ash sits on a chair that breaks under his weight. And of course, an evil looking deer head, which is mounted on the wall, it suddenly begins to laugh at Ash. And Ash joins in. You know, it, it, yeah, he decides to laugh. The lamp's laughing. The, you know, there's, there's cabinets with the books in it. That's laughing. The books are laughing at him. So he's just, he's just absolutely going crazy. And he's like, and I think he's got to the point where he's now going you know basically insane with the whole thing that's going on and of course as he's laughing the laughter ends abruptly when ash hears movement outside the front door and of course he decides that he's going to unload the shotgun into it unfortunately the people at the door are annie professor noby's daughter who's carrying the very heavy pages of the necronomicon <laughs> no her boyfriend ed and obviously the two guides jake and his girlfriend Bobby Joe, and of course, Ash shoots through the door because he's clearly on his last nerve. He's had it. I'm, I'm over this. I got to get out of here. And this results in grazing Bobby Joe, and of course, Ed and Jake beat Ash, and, and he notices 
the absence of her parents in the cabin. So it's like, where the hell are they? After seeing the blood on the chainsaw and on Ash, they come to the conclusion that he killed Annie's parents. And of course, the four newcomers throw Ash into the fruit cellar, which is not a good idea because there's something down there that is not of this world. Of course, Annie, Ed, Jake and Bobby Joe listen to a recording of Professor Noby where they learn that Noby unfortunately has killed his wife Henrietta and his mother. Search all the other rooms. Folks aren't here. Maybe they never came. But these are my father's things. It's only been a few hours since I've translated and spoken aloud the first of the demon resurrection passages from the Book of the Dead. Shh. Listen up. This is my father's voice. And now I fear that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. May God forgive me for what I have unleashed unto this earth. Last night, Henrietta tried to kill me. No. It's now October 1st, 4.33 p.m. Henrietta is dead. I could not bring myself to dismember her corpse. But I dragged her down the steps. I buried her in the cellar. God help me, I buried her in the earthen floor of the fruit cellar. Now, if I was you, you know, because I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, Ash is in the, you know, he's in the cellar and he is sitting there and listening to this and going, okay, so she's being buried in the fruit cellar, then where the fuck is she in the fruit cellar? All of a sudden, he she pops up between his legs and starts to attack Ash. And it's like, oh my God. Of course, he, he runs to the the trap door of the fruit cellar and he's trying to get out. And there's, you know, this this d demonic woman is coming up after him un you know, from the stairs. Luckily, the other four take pity on him and release him from the basement prison. And they haul him out of, the, out of there by his head, which is really interesting. Why don't you just like grab him and haul him out? He doesn't have to drag him out by his head. But of course, this forces the demon wife back into the cellar. Although this procedure sort of results in Jake getting grabbed by the face, Ed similarly getting grabbed and thrown into the wall, and Bobby Joe getting a mouthful of, mouthful of flying eyeball, because at one stage they managed to hit Henrietta, and her eyeball comes flying out and goes straight into her mouth. So I was like, oh, I know, I've got a fun fact on that one. Actually, do I? I don't know whether I do. But if that was actually filmed in reverse. So you see the mouth, that the, the eyeball going into the mouth, is actually, she actually spat it out backwards, and that's how they reversed the film. Sounds good anyway. So fortunately, Henrietta is locked underground, but the demon's not done yet because it takes the human form of um, Annie's mother and tries to persuade her to let her out and start singing a nursery rhyme to her. And this is when, you know, she does decide, okay, I'm going to let, let the woman out. Of course, Ash sees through the trick and grabs Annie and says, uh -uh, don't, don't do it at all. This act seems, you know, it, it, it's like an act of kindness because you let that person out, even though that person is saying that I'm your mother, she's going to kill all of us. So please <laughs> don't, 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 don't let her out. Of course, this is where Annie decides that she says, okay, that thing in the cellar is not my, is not my mother. Because at this point, it becomes apparent that Ed, too, has become possessed. And I don't know how he just got possessed by just being thrown backwards from where the fruit cellar was to the wall. But apparently he got possessed, too. Yeah, this is interesting. But now this is where the... Um, not this stop motion, but the prosthetics, as far as the, the head goes of him, doesn't look very good at all, unfortunately, because it looks very rubbery. And I know that's not the, the way they're actually trying to get you know, around it. 
but unfortunately it looks very very it's not good unfortunately i was i was a bit disappointed at this and of course he goes and he grabs a hold of bobby joe and starts to eat her hair and tells them all that they'll be dead by dawn of course we also see that the other the other corpse that was down in the basement the mother was starts joining in with a chant and of course jake is throwing against a light bulb with his head and he breaks that and we think to, i mean you think to yourself okay so jake's being killed because when um ed grabs a hold of this guy's head he's like turns it in such a way that you think oh he's got his he's just got his neck broken and that's it but we find out later that no he's actually he hasn't been killed and this is when ash decides fuck it and, and i'm out of here and he flees and of course annie starts shouting at him you know come back you coward you know you please come and save us you know don't leave us like this but we don't see what he did he went into the um wood in, in the shed and he got an axe and he comes back in and he hacks ed to pieces and he sprays green slime everywhere like there is and it, it was really interesting how they shot it because there was um bruce campbell and he was actually hacking the you know obviously something in front of the camera but the, the spurts of green was all over the lens of the camera it looks really really good i actually was was really um quite taken aback by that so now with everything that's been going on we now have a bit of a lull in the excitement and we hear a noise going on in one of the bedrooms and of course you know everyone goes okay we've got to go and find out what's in there um ash you go <laughs> and ash is like i'm not going in there and he goes, how about we all go in together? And they're like, oh, okay. So they go into the room and we suddenly see that the disembodied um, spirit of Professor Nobi happens to, to come to them and tell them that Annie possesses the pages within the book that's the key to dispelling the evil um, dead that's running around the forest and running around this cabin. Father? Annie, <laughs> there is a dark spirit here that wants to destroy you. Your salvation lies there. In the pages of the book, recite the passages, dispel the evil, save my soul, and your own life. <laughs> Of course, this whole thing freaks um, Bobby Joe out. And of course, Jake had been saying that he wanted to get out of here. But of course, everyone was saying, no, no, you can't leave here. You can't go into the forest. Something in there will kill you. Bobby Joe's had enough. She's like, she's out. She's like, okay, that's it. I'm out of here. So of course, she runs out. Unfortunately, she's attacked by trees again. She wasn't raped this time, but she was attacked by trees and unfortunately was killed. Of course, now we see that Annie and Ash find the drawing in the page of the book she brought along with her, which depicts a hero in 1300 AD and and he's to us being the person that was there to dispel the evil and the hero appears as a figure with a chainsaw like hand and a boomstick which is very very interesting about what happens in the next movie it's a picture what is that 1300 AD they call this man the uh, hero from the sky he was prophesied to have destroyed the evil. Didn't do a very good job. Can you find it? Here it is. Two passages. Recitation of this first passage will make this dark spirit manifest itself 
in the flesh. Why the hell would we want to do that? Recitation of the second passage creates a kind of rift in time and space. And the physical manifestation of this dark spirit can be forced back into the rift. At least that's the best translation that I can... So, of course, we now see that Jake is really, he wants to go and find his girlfriend and he's not going to take no for an answer because now he's got the shotgun and he gets Ash and Annie to go outside with him and start hunting around in the woods. Unfortunately, when he they go into the woods, you know, there's Ash trying to say to him, listen, she's dead. Anyone that goes out here is dead. So we've just stay inside the cabin. And he's like, nope, we are going to go out and find her. Unfortunately, as we go into the into the woods, we only discover that the trail has disappeared. So we don't know where the hell we are right now. And of course, a demon rushes them again, possessing Ash. And he throws Jake into a tree. Ash then chases Annie back to the cabin and she grabs the bone dagger from the first movie that was accompanying the Book of the Dead. And so this states that Jake is running back to the cabin, but unfortunately she accidentally accidentally stabs him through the chest. So I was like, okay, that works. So he, she manages to pull Jake's body inside that so she can shut the door. But of course, Ash is pounding on the door outside and then suddenly stops. And we see that Annie manages to remove the dagger from Jake and then drags him into a safer place right next to the cellar door, which is not a place that you go because you've got your crazy dead-eyed mother running around all over the place ready to kill you anyway. Unfortunately, Jake doesn't come off too well because it's at this stage that Henrietta opens the door to the cellar and drags him in head first. And of course, this is when Annie is hosed by an enormous amount of blood, like a tsunami of blood comes flying out of the out of the cellar. And like, okay. And then Ash then attacks Annie out of nowhere and accidentally rips her necklace off of her neck. And as she's there laying unconscious, Ash looks at the necklace and reverts to his normal self because he then is reminded about um, about Linda and about the love that he has for Linda. Of course, after convincing a very terrified axe-wielding Annie that he's not possessed, he's like, I'm I'm okay, I'm, I'm fine, just don't hurt me, I'm okay. Ash and Annie agree to decide that they're going to vanquish this evil together, and of course they need to go into the basement to actually get this all done. So this calls for a very awesome montage, um, and this is the iconic scene and the iconic words that Bruce Campbell actually says, because they're getting the technical know-how of how to convert the chainsaw into a chainsaw hand, and basically getting that the uh, it all put together on him, and sawing off the shotgun to make it a, a sawn-off double-barrel shotgun. And of course, he comes out with a very, very awesome word. And I'm not going to say it, I'm just going to let you hear it, because this is the whole thing that's leading up to the very final part of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, you know it's coming, but you are not prepared for it. And when it happens, it's friggin' awesome when he says groovy. It's just something about that scene is just absolutely iconic, and I just love it to death. So, yeah, I was very, I was thrilled when I actually got to see it again. I was, I'm sitting there going, yes, here we go. We're going to get get it all going. But, of course, Annie takes the pages and starts to begin the translation from the text to manifest the evil which appears in the form of a large bloody head covering the faces of those it's possessed and of course it's it's now attacking the the structures attacking the cabin and it also starts to create a dimensional gateway of which you know things are getting sucked into it so it's like okay this is what this is what we're going to do to try and get rid of it of course this large vortex opens up just outside the cabin and everything starts to be sucked into it including poor old ash's car and a large tree and the evil itself and of course annie is then accidentally stabbed in the stabbed in the back by ash's several severed hand so we thought that ash's hand had been killed well obviously it hadn't because at this stage we see that with i mean this is another thing right okay so it's holding this dagger it's got the power to jump up and stab someone in the back. Uh, it's got no tendons, no nothing. It's just a hand. How's it? We don't don't think about it too much. It's just one of those things. But Annie is, um, you know, stabbed into the back, and as she's, you know, as she's dying, she manages to, with her last dying breath, say the last part of the translation. Of course, this is when Ash is being sucked into the vortex, and you know, obviously, we see him just disappear into the vortex, and we think, okay, well, what's going on after this? Well, we see that Ash's car and a tree suddenly falls from the sky and lands on a large block of rock. So I was like, oh, shit, okay. And he looks up and finds himself surrounded by armoured and mounted medieval knights. So this is where part three starts. And the knights are about to attack Ash when a winged demon creature swoops down from the sky. And this is, once again, unfortunately, this is um, puppetry, not all that good, and CGI, not very good at all. But Ash decides that he's had enough of this, so he reaches for his shotgun and blows the creature's head off. Of course, the knights then gather around Ash as and he's he thinks he's going to get attacked by these guys but of course one knight then lifts his faceplate and declares hail he who hath fallen from the sky to deliver us from the terror of the deadites and of course the army of medieval warriors then fall to their knees and begin to chant hail as ash realizes that he is in fact the prophesied person that has fallen from the sky <laughs> the film closes with ash shaking his head in disbelief and screaming no as the camera pans out to show a large army that now awaits Ash's commands. The movie goes to black, and that is the end of Evil Dead Part 2 going into Evil Dead Part 3. Now, as I said, if I have a scale between 0 to 5 buckets of blood, I'm giving it 3 out of 5. It was good, not great. A lot of CGI is not all that spectacular. Um, a lot of the puppetry is very substandard. Claymation, sort of same thing. CGI, not good. But you know what? It's it's a fun lead into number three. And I think by the time they got to number three, they had sort of like solidified a lot of the story and made it a little bit more cohesive and made it more fun to watch. I haven't seen it for the longest time. I am actually going to watch it tonight and see what it's all about because I really do. I want to finish off this this trilogy and I want to get the, the most out of it for um, this thing. But look... I enjoyed Evil Dead Part 2. I probably won't go and revisit this for maybe another 10 years, but it was something that I wanted to do as part of the trilogy in the horror crypt, just so, because as I said, I kind of believe that I actually missed out on the, the original Evil Dead. So if you if you start with the original, you got to do number two, and you got to do number three to finish it off. That's my motto, and, I need, and I'm going to stick to it and make sure that everyone gets their money's worth out of this podcast. Speaking of which, before we get going, I have to do Paul's Fun Facts. 
So remember, the fun facts are basically incorporating everything from goofs and gags to uh, continuity errors to parts of the, the movie that a lot of fun facts in it. So I've actually done a broad stroke of everything that's going on. So Ash's chainsaw appears to switch hands in one scene. This is because Sam Raimi decided Ash should walk the opposite way across the room that's in the scene. So he flipped the negative. So suddenly if you see in the wrong hand, it's like, um, hang on a minute, what's... Yeah, that's the reason that that happened. Often considered to be a remake of The Evil Dead. However, this is not accurate. The, uh, the rights to show scenes from the original could not be obtained to recap what happened. So the beginning was remade to explain how Ash got to the cabin. So I always thought that, you know, Sam Raimi had the um, the ability to do whatever he wanted. But obviously there was something with regards to the, um, the studio that made him you know, have to do this all over again. This is why the continuity doesn't really add up because you see that there's you know, the amount of people in the car the first time to just Linda and Ash being in the car on the second one. So I was like, yeah, okay. So the actors were completely blind when they had to wear the opaque contact lenses that they they were playing possessed variations of their characters. And it's really interesting that the only way they knew how and where to move was through rigorous rehearsals. So that was a very interesting one because I thought you, know, you could actually see out of those things. Maybe it was, you know, it was white, but you could actually still see a little bit, but apparently not. That was uh, not possible. So thank God for rehearsals, I guess. Many scenes were deleted from the movie, and according to official reports, all of them and the original version of the f movie are lost. And some of the scenes are Henrietta sitting in the rocking chair while the professor reads the incantations. Her demonic eyes are unveiled in the cabin's light. So that would have been really good to see her suddenly change demonic while she was sitting in the chair. Linda's sever severed head throwing up black bile on Ash when she's trapped in the vice, which is why black slime suddenly appears around her mouth in the final scene. So we could actually we could have actually seen that, but we didn't see that one because that was actually taken out of that thing. Linda's um, severed head extending its long snake-like tongue into Ash's mouth while he is rocking in the rocking chair. Okay, I would have liked to have seen that one. Um, an extended take of the blood flood with green and yellow blood, and an extended sequence of the half-headed Ed running after the characters and eventually is chopped into pieces with the body parts flopping onto the floor. That would have been another another great one to see because you really don't see him, see his demise. I mean, you know that he's being attacked, you know that he's being killed, but you don't see the demise where you, you saw the, the first time in the original movie where his, his girlfriend was chopped up into pieces when Shelley was chopped up into pieces you don't see that um, with Ed so it's like you know you don't you know that he's killed but you don't know how it all happens um, we also see and we didn't see because unfortunately it's you know not there a possessed Ash eating a squirrel as he runs after Annie <laughs> that's an interesting one too and Ash's demonic face morphing back to normal after taking his dead girlfriend's necklace well you saw it a little bit but you didn't see the 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 actual real um, transformation back that you would have seen that you saw in the the first part of the movie. Now there was a thing that they actually were saying about um, Wes Craven and Sam Raimi, and I knew there was a folklore with regards to this. So when you see Ash walk downstairs on the left hand side of the cellar door, you'll see a glove belonging to a Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger, and that's hanging on the door of the tool shed where Ash carves his girlfriend's head with a chainsaw and when he's looking for the pages in the latest scenes uh, seen in the cellar. 
This was in response to the use of the Evil Dead 1981 on a television screen in Nightmare on Elm Street. So it was really interesting because they were playing backwards and forwards with each other because the first one, the first movie, you saw The Hills Have Eyes and it was a torn bit of um, movie poster that was in the tool shed. So now you suddenly see the, the glove from Nightmare on Elm Street hanging on there i thought that was actually really quite cool so now now just going a little bit further back with regards to having to reshoot this all over again further evidence this this is a sequel rather than a remake is that the original screenplay called for footage from the original movie with a narrative recapping the current story however rights to the footage could not be attained therefore introductory material with relevance to the second story was remade and the plot differences were added the sequel part started from where the evil forces possess Ash for the first time at the ending of the original movie where it was left on a cliffhanger. So, you know, you can see that they tried to match it up as best as they could. Now, there were some very interesting little um, nuggets with regards to movie mistakes. So when Ash is thrown into the cellar, he breaks a few of the steps on the way down. Later, he goes to retrieve the pages from the Necronomicon and every step is intact. <laughs> <laughs> so come on guys you know think about that after ash comes out of the water you can see a person behind him dressed in black running in the woods i don't know why they're doing that one and of course when ed is possessed and starts flying in front of the window a black wire can be clearly seen holding him there so it's like okay well you're trying your best now when linda's head rolls towards the camera after having it chopped off you can see the crew member who had thrown the head in the background as he tries to get out of frame by hiding behind a log. <laughs> that is cool. I love these little nuggets. Um, when Ash and Annie are hugging just before the kitchen shelves fall, a crew member can clearly be seen in the background to the left of Annie. He moves a couple of times trying to stay out of the shot. <laughs> I mean, at post, do you think that anyone's sitting there going, we really, we need to reshoot that? Or maybe they saw it and they're like, you know, fuck it, I'm not even going to bother. I'll, we'll just leave it in the, in the movie. Now, this is interesting, and I, and I didn't actually think about this one, but you really have to really think about this. So when Jake drops the pages from the book from the dead through the cellar door, they should only be able to land either on the stairs to the cellar or underneath the stairs to the cellar. Although pages one and two land here the bulk of the pages somehow seem to have managed to find their way through a closed door and into a sewage system beneath the house and i didn't even think about that i i you didn't really even it didn't even cross my mind that that was possible that that happened it was like oh okay because ash was going around trying to find all the little bits of the book of the dead to try and reassemble them to give to annie so yeah you don't really think to yourself that when he throws it in there yeah, it, on the stairs or just beneath the stairs. Why did it go all the way? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But look, that was some of the um, fun facts and trivia. That There are so many fun facts and trivias with regards to this movie. And it's also because there are so many goofs and continuity errors in this movie that they've, they've included so many. So, you know, if you are interested, go into IMDb, have a look, because they've got some great information with regards to this movie. So, yeah. But look, as I said, I enjoyed this movie. It won't be one that I'll be revisiting anytime soon, but it was good. Not great. But, you know, it is got, it, you know, it's got its cult status, so we'll go with it. It's fine. But anyway, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me at the Horror Crypt Podcast. Remember, I'm on social platforms, Facebook at Horror Crypt Podcast, and I've got the Horror Crypt Cafe on there as well. And if you want to contact me directly, it's horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com. 
In the meantime, next week will be the end of this series, which is number three, Army of Darkness. And until then, I will say, like I say every single week, I'll creep you later. My digestive system is working again. Oh my god. I must have like six months worth of cancer farts built up. <laughs> Would you stop farting, please? This is a nice hotel.